0: And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, "'This is one of the Hebrews' children.'" Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and she and he became her son and she called his name Moses and she said because I drew him out of the water and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and he and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew one of his brethren And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared, and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock and the shepherds came and drove them away but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they, uh, when they came to rule their father, he said, how is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. And she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and the... and. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush, and he said... He looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am, the God of the, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their, ta- of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of, the la- out of that land into a land, and a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey and to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. God, Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made at Calvary. God, we don't ever want to diminish what you did there for us. God, we couldn't do anything to get to you. God, we had no desire to get to you. God, but you had a desire to get to us and we're thankful for it. God, we're thankful for the blood God, that was shed, God. We're thankful for the scourging that you took on, the crown of thorns that you wore, God, the cross that you bore, God, all the things that you done done to show that you loved us, God. We're thankful for it, God. At this moment, we need your help this evening, God. I can't preach in and of myself. I can't do anything in and of myself, God, but we need a fresh anointing, God. We need a touch from above, God, Lord, that it might help your people, God. I don't want them to say, What a message, what a preacher, God, but we need them to leave here saying, what a God. What a God we serve and we're thankful for you. Lord, we love you and appreciate you for all that you do for us. God will give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I want to preach for a little while this evening on this title, The Drawing of Moses. The drawing of Moses. Understand something. I'll give you a little history, a little background. Um, At the time that Moses was born, there was a decree that was put out through Egypt saying that we are going to kill every Hebrew boy that's born. We're going to kill them. It doesn't matter what kind of shape they're in. It doesn't matter who they're born to. We're going to kill every single one of the boys because we're afraid there's becoming too many. They're going to rise up and they're going to overthrow our army. So Pharaoh is saying, we're going to get rid of them. We're going to take care of this problem before it really becomes a problem so we find out that this is the time that Moses is born and we find that all these things are happening and we see in the scripture that Moses' parents, his mother delivers him and she sees that he's a goodly child. I don't mean just that he was good looking, Jimmy. I I mean she sees something supernatural about him. She sees something that's revealed by God to her that says there is something different about this child. You need to do everything that you can to protect this child. So the drawing of Moses... We read there in chapter 2 when Moses was taken back to Pharaoh's daughter and she names him. And she says, this is your name because I have drew you out of the water. Moses means to pull or to draw out of. So I want to preach for just a little while on the drawing of Moses. The drawing is the act of attracting, if you look at the Webster 18.28 Dictionary. It's the act of attracting Jimmy. There are certain things that catch my attention, but not everything draws me to it. There are certain things I give you, for example, um, Brandy and I, we've kind of been talking about vehicles and stuff. Not that we're going to get another one anytime soon. I hope not anyways, and not that we can necessarily afford it, but there are some vehicles that draw me to them. Certain features, technology, this, that, or the other. But there are certain things. Now there's some that I could care less about. They're not going to draw me to them. The same is, it's the same in your life. There are things that will draw you and then there are things that don't bother you. But we look here and we find that there are certain things that draw Moses in his lifetime. We're looking here at the first 80 years of Moses' life. And I'll say this as we're getting started. Every Christian should have enough discernment that we can recognize the drawings in our life. We need to recognize whether they be of God or whether they be of Satan in this world. We need to be able to recognize some things so that we know how to respond. This morning, Pastor Craig preached on being armed with the mind of Christ. and He said a couple of things that kind of led me to believe that this was what I needed to preach this evening. But as we recognize those things, we need to know how to respond. But we look at the drawings here. You look at Exodus 2.6, we find that Moses is drawn to safety. He's drawn to safety. We find that Moses' parents, they noticed something significant about him. This wasn't just, oh, my baby's the prettiest, this, that, and the other. That's not what it was. It was something from the spiritual world that God had allowed them to see so that they might protect this child and they wouldn't just give him over to the Egyptians. You see, that ark of bull rushes that was prepared by his parents served as refuge for him. But it wasn't only refuge from the immediate destruction that was to happen to him, but it was refuge for for their whole nation. It was refuge for all these different things. It was refuge that he wouldn't live a life that he had to work hard and be oppressed by the Egyptians. Hey parents let me tell you something. Often times if we'll prepare an ark of bull rushes for our children hey they will miss out on all the things that the world will try to oppress them with. Hey it is up to us to do our best to protect our children. To look at Moses parents as an example. Hey understand something. They operated in faith. Brother Jimmy they 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 had faith when they had the child to hide the child but let me tell you something as they placed him in that ark of bulrushes it was the same faith that God had given them to hide him as it was to place him there and then to walk off and leave him how is it that they were able to do this thing how is it that God was able to give them grace and mercy to follow after him and place him in this little ark of bulrushes put him in a body of water not knowing where he'd go not knowing who'd find him not knowing what would find him Hey, let me tell you something, as parents, if we will operate in faith, our children will see that. Are we doing what is necessary, even if it's contrary to the world, to ensure our children are protected from destruction? I'm not necessarily just talking about death. There's all types of things that want to destroy your life. Are you doing what is necessary to protect not only yourself but your children? So we see there's a drawing to safety. We see that there is a drawing to sin. We see in verses 11 and 12 out of chapter 2, we see that Moses, as he goes out, brother Mike, and he's looking at all the things that are happening, he sees one of those Egyptians beating on one of his Hebrew brothers. And... Moses looks this way and he looks that way and he decides it's a good time to kill him. It's a good time to bury him in the sand. Nobody's going to see. Nobody will know. Well, let me tell you something. When we are drawn into sin, we often do the same thing that Moses did. We often look this way and we'll look that way and we'll say, Well, nobody on this side of the church is going to see me. And nobody on this side of the church is going to see me. There's nobody to witness this thing. But let me tell you what Moses failed to do Moses failed to look this way, Moses failed to look towards God saying that all things are open and naked to the eye of God, knowing that God would know He's sin. Let me tell you something. You may hide it from the pastor. You may hide it from me. You may hide it from your spouse, your parents, whoever else. But you will not hide your sin from God. There's a drawing to sin. But it doesn't mean that we have to give in to that drawing. Many times we'll justify ourselves so that we might sin. Brother John, so many times I'll begin to try to reason this in my mind. Well you know they did me this way and they did me that way so it might as well be alright that I do them this way. Well I find that we read in the Bible that they did Jesus all kinds of way, and I find out that Jesus never opened his mouth there as he was going from false trial to false trial and I find out that Jesus never sinned. Tempted the same as us. Hey but he never failed the test and I'm thankful for that but there is a drawing to sin. I would be... Um, unloving, I would be, um, out of line to not tell you about the drawing to sin in your life there's a drawing to sin and it may be more strong now than it ever has been they're they're certainly drawing earlier they're trying to get you to be this way in school and trying to get you to be that way in school and they're just saying everything's okay well let me tell you something everything's not okay everything can't be okay everything can't be all right. it's not just we can't serve God on our feelings we can't do it just how we want to do it because we think we are somebody God has a clear set of rules for us to live our life by and we must heed to those. We must follow those. We must do our very best that we might represent God to this world. So we must be careful with the drawing to sin. You see here, in Moses' drawing to sin, Brother Jimmy, he was trying to do the right thing. He was trying to relieve the one who was being oppressed from their oppressor. But you know what we do oftentimes? I'm guilty of this. I, I don't know if you all struggle with this. Oftentimes I'll lag behind God. I start falling behind and I'm not in lockstep with Him. And then other times I get ahead of God and I'm not walking with him. I ran off and I've left him and then I wonder why my life is in a mess. I wonder why things didn't work out the way I thought they would because uh, sometimes God will show us uh, sometimes that end picture a little bit but oftentimes God doesn't show us the intermediate steps so we are still yet dependent we still yet have to walk by faith we still yet have to be in that lock step with God and not get ahead of him and not get behind him but just be right with him every step of the way so just because you're trying to do the right thing doesn't mean that you can't be drawn into sin there's a drawing to status and success if you look over in the book of Hebrews try to get turned over there the book of Hebrews chapter 11 a couple verses here uh, starting in verse 24 by faith Moses when he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. There is a drawing to status and success, and we find here, Brother John, that status and success he was willing to turn his back on all the treasures of age he was willing to turn his back on all all these different things that he could have and he said I'd rather suffer with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season hey we need to make a decision as a church we need to make a decision as individuals that we are not going to enjoy the pleasures of sin even though they be for a season but that we would rather suffer with God's people than to live like the world. It's so important that we would reject that call or that drawing to status and success. But understand something. Rejecting the call or reject rejecting the drawing to status and success means you are accepting the drawing to suffering and submission. We must We must give ourselves to the drawing of submission to God. We must give ourselves to the drawing of the sufferings that we will we will certainly face in following God. I'm not telling you that being a Christian is all doom and gloom and all these things, but I'm telling you this: that if you're not coming out of a storm, you're probably in one, or you're heading into one. Hey, there are. It is not a bed of roses. We have been. God tells us that there will be trials. There will be all these things that happen. Hey, but God has also told us that it's going to be worth it. Hey, when we see His face, when we step on that shore and we're able to worship Him for the first time like we really should worship Him, when we're able to touch the prince in His hands and His feet and the wound in His side and we're able to just crawl up on His lap and thank Him for all that He's done, we're able to give Him the crowns and all the jewels that we may have worn on this side of eternity and we're able to worship Him and sing praises to Him for all of eternity. Hey, it'll be worth it. Hey, all the suffering and all the submission. Hey, it will be a faint memory it won't matter a whole lot I doubt we even think about it brother Jimmy when we step over there and he says well done my good and faithful servant when it begins to hand us all the things when we begin to see the mansion that we have and all these things hey but we must give ourselves to the drawing of suffering and submission not only are there all those drawings, the drawing to safety, the drawing to sin, the drawing to status and success, the drawing to suffering and submission, but there's a drawing to stay. We find that Moses is content to dwell in Midian. And you can look at Midian in a couple of different ways, and I talked with other preachers about this, and uh, all three of us kind of, we, we agreed that it was, there are different applications to this. Midian was a place where Moses was backslidden, but Midian was also the place where Moses was prepared. So, The drawing to stay, I want us to look at it a couple different ways here. When we sin, obviously, we should not be drawn to stay in our sin. We should get back to God as quickly as possible. Now, that's contrary to the way that we think because we think that God's going to throw the book at us, this, that, or the other. The Bible tells us that if we would repent and we would ask God for forgiveness, He's faithful and just to do so and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there is a drawing to stay. There's a drawing to stay where God has put you. How often do we get dissatisfied? Do we get uncomfortable because the place where God has put us, Brother Earl, is not exactly what we want. Sometimes God puts you in positions where you're uncomfortable. Sometimes God will put you in positions that just write down hurt. Sometimes God will put you in places where you're going to be ridiculed, where you're going to be mocked, and it's going to be a battle every single day. But if that's where God has put you, you need to have a drawing to stay. You need to decide, hey, it doesn't matter what this world is doing. It doesn't matter what they say about me, but I'm going to stand where God has put me. We need a generation, our youth group is sitting here. We need a generation that's willing to stand up and say I'm going to stand on biblical truths I'm not going to waver back and forth from this fad to the next fad and all these other things I'm going to stand on what God has said because it's true there's a drawing to stay we need a generation with the backbone that they'd stand where God has placed them for His glory We need a generation that will stand and tell the times when they stood where God had told them to stand. And they stayed. And they stood up for biblical principles. And they saw God move. Because that's where God wanted them at at the moment. There's a drawing to stay. Friend, let me tell you, if we would get comfortable where God has got us at, how much better life would be. How much sweeter it would be. Regardless of what's going on around us, the storm may get worse. The things things might happen that seem to knock us off the path that God has placed us on but if we would just stay where God has put us we'd be so much better off there's a drawing to stay there's a drawing to sanctification We find that Moses on the back side of the desert. The Bible calls it the mountain of God. Even under Horeb is what it says there. But we find that Moses is on the back side of the desert, Jimmy. And there's this bush that catches on fire. I don't know if it was already burning before he got there. But what I do know is that it wasn't getting any smaller. It wasn't burning up. It was just on fire. And it was continually burning. And it was not consumed. And we find that Moses turns aside. Moses had a task at hand but Moses said this is so different. This is so peculiar. This is so powerful. I must turn aside and see what it is. And we find one of those double calls in the Bible Moses, Moses. And Moses says here am I. And God begins to speak to Moses out of this burning bush. And Moses is so intrigued. Moses is so drawn to the bush. He is so in awe of the bush that is on fire. The presence of God. Let's not get confused with what it is. Moses is really not that concerned about the bush. But Moses is more concerned about who's speaking from the bush. I'll tell you if we go out here after service and there's a bush on fire and it begins to speak, I'm going to be quite concerned myself, Brother Jimmy. But understand something. I don't know that this is how it happened. You can say this is Smith one and one mythology, whatever you want to call it. But I believe that Moses was so intrigued. Moses was so enamored. Moses was such in awe of this bush that when God told him to take off his shoes, I don't believe he let his eyes leave the bush, Brother John. I believe he just reached down right like this and began to pull his shoes off and just get a little closer. Hey, if we would get to the place where we were so in awe of God, when we would get to the place where we were so that we loved God so much and 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 the draw of God was so appealing to us that we wouldn't take our eyes off of Him when He tells us to do something, that we would just keep our eyes focused while we're doing it. We just begin to take off our shoes so we might get a little closer to God so that we could get in His presence and we might stay there a little longer. Understand there's a drawing to sanctification. You say, preacher, I am where I need to be. Are you? I'll tell you this. There have been times in my life where I felt like I was just as close to God as I could be. Not long after that, maybe an hour or so, Jimmy, I don't know. I find out I wasn't as close as what I thought. But understand what sanctification is. It's the act to make holy. It's to consecrate. It's to set aside for service. So, with this drawing of sanctification, this drawing to sanctification, every single one of us, every, I don't care if you've been saved 1,900 years, I, you, as long as you're in this flesh, you can draw closer to God. There's another level that you can reach. I'm not telling you that you are going to ever come to the place where you have arrived. I'm not telling you that it's going to be a better roses at some point, but what I am telling you is that God wants us to get just as close to Him as possible. God wants us to scoot up just as close as we can get. But the thing is in order for us to get close to God we've got to get the things that are in between us and God out of the way. You see, Moses had on shoes and Moses was God made. Those shoes were man made. Moses was standing on something that was God made. And God needed Moses to get rid of the thing that was man-made. Whatever it might be in your life, whatever those shoes are, get them out of the way so that you might get closer to God. Reading the commentary, and I thought that this was an awful good thought. God's workers may take their art courses in the universities, but must take their divinity course alone with Him. Let me read that to you again. God's workers may take their art courses in the universities, but must take their divinity course alone with Him. Let me explain that to you if you don't know what that means. It simply means this, Savannah. It means I've got to learn to walk alone with God and so do you. You might come to church and God might sit down on us and we might have us a time here and that's a wonderful thing. I'm not discrediting, I'm not belittling any of that but there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to have to learn how to commune alone with God. You and Him, nobody else. You're not going to have somebody there who can hop up and sing a song and and then God's Spirit begins to move because they did something oh no there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to be at, when you're going to have to get to the place to where you can pray until you get on praying ground till you can praise God until you're in a an attitude and a spirit of worship sometimes we've got to walk alone with God I'm not telling you that it's always fun I'm not telling you that it's always easy but we've got to get to the place to where we are so enamored with God where we are so in awe of Him that we're willing to walk alone that we're willing to go wherever He tells us to go and because of that draw, Brother Jimmy, because there's something here to here that's pulling me towards you. Something that's telling me that there's something in my life that I need more of God than anything else. That I need Him to be so big in my life that I'm about this small. Understand, there's a draw to sanctification. And there's a draw to salvation. We find that Moses is is doing a work for God. Moses is only ushering in the deliverance prepared by God. This wasn't something that Moses came up with by himself, Brother Jimmy, when he was a little babe in that ark of bull rushes while he was sitting there. I don't believe he was doodling this plan on what he was supposed to do after he got so old and then we'd be over here on the backside of the desert and then this bush would do this. No, this was something that God had orchestrated before the beginning of time, before the foundations of the earth. God put this thing in order. God put this thing in motion so that Moses might do something that would benefit A nation that Moses might be prepared of God. You see, Moses was ushering in something prepared by God for all who wanted to partake. God used someone who had much experience of what was to come to guide the children of Israel out of Egypt. You see, Moses was part of the royal family. Moses was separated from his kinsmen and his family. Moses was made a stranger in a foreign land. Moses had to forsake power, fame, and fortune. Moses carried out the will of God. I tell you what, we might not be uh, Israelites, we might not be in the Old Testament, we may not be living under the law, but I tell you, we go over it in the New Testament and we find out that somebody else was forsaken and of their kinsmen and of their family. We find out that someone else was part of the royal family. Someone else had to be a stranger in a foreign land. Someone else had to give up power, fame, and fortune so they might carry out the will of God. It sounds like Christ to me. It sounds like Moses was just a picture. Moses was doing something that was foreshadowing of what Christ would do one day. That Christ would come down, he'd put on flesh, he'd be forsaken, he'd be rejected, he'd be ridiculed and all these things so that he might bring forth something that was prepared by God. We now know that Moses means to draw out. And we see different drawings in Moses' life. Like I said, there's a drawing of safety or security. There's a drawing to sin. There's a drawing to status and success. There's all these different types of drawings. But you know, I'm really not concerned with Moses' life. Moses has already been born. He lived his life. And uh, God called him home. We don't know what happened to Moses. So if you want to debate that or whatever afterwards, you can talk to me. Uh, if you've got any ideas, I'd like to hear them. I've heard a couple. Uh, I'll tell you one. Uh, Brother Joe Arthur, he I was listening to a sermon that he preached, and he was talking about how Moses left this life and uh, up on the mountain where what have you. And Brother Joe said, "You know, uh, somebody had told him this. I can't remember who, but Moses wanted to see the face of God. Well, we can't see the face of God in flesh and live. So, Brother Joe said." So-and-so told him that God just lowered down that handkerchief or whatever, let that down, and said, Moses, here I am. (laughs) And that was it. Or smothered him to death with Holy Ghost kisses, what have you. We don't know what happened to Moses, but the thing is, it's not about Moses' life. We may have preached about Moses, may have dissected and looked at and examined Moses' life, but it's about our life. What are the drawings in your life? You you can retitle this sermon. You can say the drawings of Savannah or the drawings of Zay, or the drawings of Sandy or the drawings of Jocelyn or whoever the drawings of Mike uh, in your life. What are they? Is God drawing you to something? Is the world trying? I can guarantee you the world's trying to draw you to something. You may not be in a place where you realize that God's trying to draw you to something yet. But I'll tell you this. God is still drawing people. God still wants people to do a work for Him. You say, I'm where I need to be. No, we can always get closer. You say, well, I'd like to see somebody else drawn into service. I'd like to see somebody else do something for God. That's fine and well. We ought to want to see that. But you know, If I want to see my kids pray, they need to see me pray. If I want to see somebody do a work for the Lord, other people need to see me do a work for the Lord. So, you say, well, I'd really like to see somebody do this or somebody do that or all these different things that are running through your mind. All these different drawings that you could name off for other people. What about for you? I'm not saying you're being critical or judgmental or what have you. But this was not necessarily for somebody else. This was for you. So what is God drawing you to? As uh, Brother Jimmy and Brother John come and get us a song. If God's doing business with you, why don't you come do business with Him? This is a great opportunity right now. great opportunity on drawing. You say, all these different things. God, I feel like God's drawing me to this. God's drawing me to that. Why don't you come do business with God where God meets with these people? I'm not saying you can't pray in your seats. But I'm saying, there's something about coming to the altar that shows a seriousness. As we sing. Page 359.